In a time when film criticism is as provocative as ever, Feelin' Film ventures to change the discussion from what we hate about a film to what we love about it. We judge more on emotional experience than technical merit, because every movie makes us feel something. Hello, listeners, and welcome to a special bonus episode of the Feelin' Film Podcast. I'm Aaron, here with Patrick. Hey, guys. And tonight we are joined by very special guest, Andrew Dice. I'm thrilled to be here. How are you guys doing? Awesome. We're good. We're good. Yeah, we are. We're thrilled for you to be here, too. Now, if you are a regular part of the Feelin' Film family, you know that we've never had any guests on before, so this is a pretty special occasion for us. We've really wanted to have a lengthy conversation about the current state of film criticism and fandom raging, and we're excited that Andrew has joined us to do just that. All right. First of all, Andrew, thank you a ton for coming. Uh, we're excited to be hanging out with you. And before we get to the meat of the subject, um, we're hoping maybe you could just tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do and why you're actually a good person to be here. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that remains to be seen. <laughs> I'll let people decide that at the end of it. Um, yeah, I, wow, it didn't occur to me that I was the first guest. This is like so much pressure now. Uh, yeah, if... if uh, I guess I'm one of the lucky people who wasted their childhood on nerdy pursuits that ended up being actual work research. Uh, because I, I write uh, movies and TV at Screen Rant, uh, ScreenRant.com for you, for you webheads. Uh, and I do the podcast uh, with the editors there. Uh, it's called Total Geek All. We're, I'm not, I'm not going to plug. I, I want everybody to listen to every podcast. So if you're listening to this one, also listen to mine, please. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I've been a, you know, I was a movie fan all my life, comic book fan all my life, uh, TV all my life, video games too. Uh, and then as I went into adulthood, I found out that if you can learn how to write really well about those things – or passively well, I'll set the bar at, there is actually work to be found in that. So I ended up at Screen Rant. Uh, that was actually one of my first, it's basically my first job, and I'm, I'm still there uh, in the industry. And, you know, we cover movie news, TV news. Um, definitely from a, how do I say this? Uh, for people who are fans of what we're covering, and ideally also people who are just curious uh, because I know that you guys have, have said in a lot of different ways that writing things or uh, you know doing coverage with an eye for people who may not have insanely strong opinions about things uh, and you know God forbid don't agree with you um, <laughs> is, is getting a little bit harder to find but uh, yeah I mean I, I, I was a fan of what you guys are doing uh, once I started seeing basically – how it was meant to counter the the kind of uh, current climate. And it's something that I'm also uh, on board with. If you've heard me, uh, if, if any listeners have listened to Total Geek Call or uh, have read Screen Rant, I get passionate about a lot of stuff. Um, but it is hopefully, I guess, you know what I would say is I have strong opinions about things and I think you guys do too, but I am always happy to hear if someone disagrees Mm -hmm. And if they feel just as passionately about it, I would rather that turn into a really fun, uh, heated conversation maybe than uh, an argument. So right, right. I know that we're going to be talking about a lot of those different things there. But um, yeah, if, if, if anyone feels differently than I do about something, I think that's great. Uh, if anybody feels really, really strongly against something that I say – you can find me on Twitter. You can find me online. And if you're respectful, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would love to hash that out. Yeah, because I, I mean, some of the most fun conversations I've had were when we started on completely different sides of the issue. And whether we end up in the middle or still where we started, um, like you guys say, this stuff is made to be seen and felt. Um, and maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe uh, not dispassionately, but with an open mind. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah absolutely cool well absolutely agree with you that everybody should check out your podcast so uh definitely listeners listen or look up total geek all um, go check that one out uh the screen rant editors it's andrew ben uh help me out it hannah rob and hannah hannah yep, okay yep. and rob um yeah. and they're great 
and their writings are great oh, too. So screenrant.com is a great place. We we retweet you all the time. So I'm assuming that our <laughs> Facebook group and our Twitter followers will have familiarity with the word screenrant.com cuz I like to use you guys for most of our news for that very reason. You guys are all great writers and um we like your attitude. That's oh. kind of in in line with ours. Fans oh, and passionate you. and Mm-hmm. Almost always positive. Um, we yeah, don't... And, and always welcome for more voices to you know join the conversation. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Cool. So what we really want to talk about is just what what the basis of our podcast is. Um, what formed our podcast was we had been wanting to do something for a long time, and we we have constantly gone back and forth in voice messages when we would see movies. And Batman v Superman comes out, and we both really enjoy it, like right off the bat. And all of a sudden we go online, and we are just flummoxed by the incredible amount of negativity surrounding this. Not only negative after seeing the movie, but I mean, there was it was like there before the movie even came out, right? Because Yeah, the, yeah. yeah. yeah I remember when the... Um the embargo, the review embargo was lifted. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, getting up um, early one morning and just going to Rotten Tomatoes and just seeing the number <laughs> go from like 30% to 29% to 28%. And I'm like, oh and my the, gosh, the what is happening? Some of them, right? I mean, yeah, where hyperbolic is not even, it was, you know, uh, uh, this, this movie is going to be an affront to cinema and humanity. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, forget bad. <laughs> I mean, you can't yeah. even take it seriously. Um, and it, but it, I guess what what ultimately you know was really bothersome to us is we would talk to other people and other groups that were in forums, and we we started noticing that fans and moviegoers were starting to copy the language from some of these reviews. Um, yeah. They were talking in those same terms. Fans were saying, "This is the worst movie ever made." This is you know, like this is a ruining of this character can never, uh, we can never see Batman the same again, you know, and yeah. these, these crazy, crazy things. Um, and it just, it drove us to this place where we were like, listen, we want to talk about these things positively because as we say in our tagline, you know, every movie makes us feel something and it does. Everything has a, a positive aspect to it. And so I remember, reading your stuff um, at the same time in, when Batman v Superman came out and you were also defending the film and even more so than just defending the film, you were defending it against the kind of raging negativity. And, and it was more than just saying, Hey, I think this is an, you weren't saying this is the best film on the planet. You were just saying it's not what you guys are making it out to be. And so, um, <laughs> It seems that that has been happening a lot. <laughs> would you or would you not agree? <laughs> I Yeah, I would definitely agree. I, in that exact instance, I was also just kind of saying, you know, I part of that was, was a legitimate concern that a lot of the things that I appreciated about the movie were going unnoticed, uh, which, which is not a, you know, not from a place of you didn't get it, you know, or, or um you know, you didn't understand what he was going for. But but like you said, some of the wording in these reviews and what people were saying, it had me wondering that maybe there were like th- we saw a different movie almost. You know, it got to points where uh, you kind of skip over the step of saying like, well, what did you think of this moment or this moment or this moment where it was kind of so broad that it was almost like. I almost yeah, I don't feel like we saw the same thing, <laughs> you know, or or uh, we we just we're coming from, we're coming at this from two totally different places. Um, I have seen this happening uh, in a lot. I, I don't know if it's does it feel to you guys like it has amplified this summer? Mm, I, the, or maybe there's just I, more examples. <laughs> well, I think. I think BVS became the scapegoat for what I see as a trend the last probably three or four or even close to 10 years with the, the advent of the internet and with the age of social media where everybody has a voice, uh, there, there tends to be, or at least I don't think opinion has necessarily increased just in general, but I think the accessibility of opinion has increased. And when you get enough people either praising or destroying a film 
in print, you start getting what I see, you start getting sort of a, um, like a snowball effect where, Hey, my friend thinks it's bad. So I'm going to probably assume it's bad. Oh wait, this other guy thinks it's bad too. I probably won't go see it now. Oh, this third guy says it's bad. You know what? It's probably bad. So I'm going to start saying it's bad. And I think that's what's happening. It's just, there's so many voices out there that have so much power because of the amount of just number of voices that are out there. I think that's probably what might be going on. Uh, what do you guys think? Well, I agree. I mean, I, yeah. it's definitely a, a, a numbers game to some extent. The, the shareability of information on the internet, you know, everything happens in a, in at light speed these days. You know, you, as soon as you write a negative review, it's being seen by thousands upon thousands of people. Whereas before that, you know, it would take a long time for kind of film criticism to, trickle its way out to people in newspaper articles and things of that nature. And they would just go see it because they were interested in it. And that's what, that's what worries me is that people are not going to see it. I mean, I have friends that are huge comic book fans that are huge Batman and Superman fans that because of the response changed their plans. And that that's sad. Um, Yeah. Because not only are they missing out on an amazing theater experience, because it, it is an amazing theater experience, um, but they're you know the filmmakers are suffering now because of that. I, I would say to what you asked, Andrew, that I do think it has ramped up this summer. Um, we've got the Warcraft as a great example of this. Um, Ghostbusters, I have not seen, um, but from what I have seen of the reviews after people actually saw the movie, uh, they're nowhere close to what people said about it before they saw the movie. Yeah. Uh, And so just, I think there's a lot of judgment. um, And I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't quite understand it because I'm not that way. I don't think that way. (laughs) Yeah. I I think there is also, uh, there is a group think aspect Mm. to it. Um, And the, the first time that I really remember this happening or, or it registered with me was avatar. Uh, I went and saw that probably, you know, three or four times, like a lot of movie buffs. Um, and that, that felt like a big thing. I mean, anyone who, you know, was even casually interested in movies at that time uh, was saying, you know, you haven't seen Avatar. Um, and, and I remember as the weeks went by and the reviews started to pile up, it, it almost is this natural thing. Like when something does really, really well, the voices against it need to come out and get a little louder. Uh, and I thought in this case, it happened a few months after where people started saying, you know, it is an incredible movie experience. You know, the 3d is amazing. The visual effects and everything are great. Sure. Maybe the story isn't the most original, uh, you know, idea, and maybe it isn't the most polished script. Um, and I would kind of think, okay, well, you know, it didn't work for everyone. Uh, I still love a lot of those moments and I'm a firm believer that, you know, the story of Avatar is Fern Gully is fast and furious is point break. You know, guy goes to the other side, falls in love. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, yep. it's one of like the five stories that there are. Absolutely. Uh, and as the weeks went by after that, it then soon became, it went from going Avatar is this great movie, maybe not the most original to Avatar is an incredible movie, but the script isn't great until weeks later, people were saying Avatar. I mean, we all know the story was bad. And I remember thinking in that moment, this movie made $3 billion around the world. <laughs> I would say, I don't think we all agree on that. Uh, but that is kind of how the group think just started to mold the narrative around it. And it, it almost seemed like with so much money changing hands over it, it didn't really matter. Like, it, you know, how this movie was uh, – not just spoken about upon release because that didn't matter. It was a billion-dollar movie within weeks, you know. But how this movie is remembered and the narrative and the conversation surrounding this movie was steered. And that was one of the first times that I noticed that I could see it happening by the same people who – and, you know, I mean, you can see that online. It isn't like newspaper and it isn't like magazines – they can post things every day and there's news coverage every single day to be had. And when, if you start adding in, and I know you guys have seen this, I saw someone 
put on Twitter, uh, you know, 2016, the year every film was compared to Batman v Superman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and it is. It's kind of that thing where it, it is shaping the narrative around this one movie in particular. But with Batman v Superman, uh, it was so venomous before the movie came out. And a lot of these are, you know, the conversation could be had after it. But with this case, it was that narrative shaping and, and the conversation being steered uh, before anyone had even had a chance to see the movie for themselves. And that was, I don't know, if it obviously wasn't the first time that's happened. And I'm sure other people have had other, you know, examples of that. But I was kind of of the mind and with Ghostbusters, especially when it came to that point, I was already, you know, set that. I'm forming no opinions about this. Um, you know, people are saying these these are the worst trailers I've ever seen, and I'm sitting there saying, I, I mean, Independence Day Resurgent looks like garbage to me. Uh, you know, I mean, it's uh, in terms of the trailers, I, can, I I see what it is. You know, they're not putting my butt in the seats based on the trailer. I, I think that that section of the audience is probably smaller than a lot of people like to think. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the Ghostbusters, it was a case of you know. I, I have absolutely no information. And like you said about people avoiding movies, um, you can shout at me. <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the digital thing too because if I was in person with someone and said, oh, I can't wait for Ghostbusters to come out and they say, oh, I saw it in an advanced screening last week. It's garbage. You shouldn't go see it. Um, I feel like everyone in the room would get quiet because this guy is a jerk. <laughs> you <Right>. know what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, how... how how can you speak for me? Um, and I, yeah, I, I don't know that uh, Batman v Superman in particular, it may just be the biggest profile, you know, of one of these movies that mm-hmm. also coincided with the kind of not only film criticism, but film blog uh, structure that is out there that for people who wanted to know about this movie, they could find out a lot about it before it came out, and a lot of those were strong opinions, and a lot of them were very, uh, I mean, in, insanely negative in some cases. Uh, like you said, I mean, it was just, yeah, I, I understand why people would have said, and I saw it on Twitter, you know, saying, now I don't need to go see this. I won't even bother go see, to go see it, and I know that you guys probably agree. Uh, that's a pretty terrifying thing to read, actually. <laughs> it, it really is, and it's funny. I'm just going to segue for a second because you talked about Avatar and that's such a great example. If you have ever gone to a forum or a Facebook group or something uh, recently to discuss Avatar, you will be amazed you know, at what people think about this film. <laughs> and most everyone, if you start asking them individual questions, will admit to you that they loved the movie when they saw it, and that they and just what you said, Andrew, that you you know they've seen it three or four times in the theater, mm-hmm. but now, however many years later, we despise it and we can't stand yeah. it, and it's like we, I don't even think people can completely comprehend why they do, and that's that groupthink yeah. mentality. Like they can't yeah, exactly. they can't put you know put a pinpoint on why they don't. Um, and I think, I think BBS is a little different than that because people do have pretty strong opinions about why they yep. don't like the movie. It's too dark. Batman kills people. And I mean, all these things can be argued and refuted, of course, by the other side. Mm-hmm. I th- so, Patrick, let me, yes, let me ask you. Mm-hmm. Wh- why do you think that people, writers, uh, fans... What are they getting out of being loudly negative? Like, what is the what is the end goal here? Because I know for a fact that many people who've seen Batman v Superman uh, who don't like it and who have criticized it loudly, friends of mine even, still put the movie at about a two and a half star rating, which is average, right? It's average. They liked Mm. half of the movie, but yet all they want to talk about is the parts that they didn't like. So what do you think, what do you think drives that? Like, what is, what is it about our culture that is making people want to be so negative instead of doing what we're trying to encourage, which is focus on that positive 50% that they, that they did like. It's cool to be a hater. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I get you. You're right. 
I mean, well, two things. One, I think there's some psychological just points that people get in their heads by saying, you know what, if I can point out the flaws of something as opposed to pointing out the the good stuff, I'm going to gain points because by default, a movie is supposed to be good. I mean, if we can all agree that when somebody makes a movie, they're not out to ruin something. So by default, every movie viewer that goes to see a movie or sees a movie trailer, they're under the un uh, the 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 unspoken assumption that this movie by default is trying to be a good movie. It's trying to be entertaining. It's trying to tell a story. And so when a critic gets a hold of it, it becomes easier to say, okay, it's starting at this expectation level. I'm going to go ahead and just bring it down because I can point out all the flaws. And there's some real power that comes from that. And in some weird way, there's almost more validity to pointing out the negatives. Because if by default we think a movie is supposed to be good, by pointing out the bad stuff, maybe there's this there's this idea that the the critic is somehow smarter than the average bear when it comes to how we're supposed to view film, as opposed to someone who just constantly, like us, who are out to expose the positives. Maybe we don't really have credibility because if by default the movie's supposed to be good, we're just sort of doing what the you know we're just we're just par for the course when it comes to our opinions or our thoughts or what we're pointing out. Interesting. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I do. And I think that I've been caught up in it myself, you know, um, from time to time without forcefully at times really driving my focus to be positive. I think, I think it takes effort too. Yeah. I think you, you have to be willing to let yourself, be the positive person and it's kind of not cool to do that as you said uh because people want to read the negativity that's what i guess that's what sells headlines and so oh yeah andrew oh, yeah do you guys see that i mean do you see that at screen rant i mean i know that you don't have a lot of negative headlines but do you see or do you ever feel i guess compelled to write your headline in a way that you know is going to draw traffic i think there's there's definitely, uh, I mean, that is a choice. Uh, and I think that, you know, different, different outlets and, and different writers make that choice, uh, personally, or, um, you know, the, the editor does for them for, for any kind of reasons I can, I'll speak for myself and say that, um, being negative and being profoundly negative about anything is always a guaranteed way to get attention. Uh, and on online, attention means traffic, and traffic can mean uh, profit. Or just less in the red <laughs> these days. Um, but I, will, I, I, I believe myself that it's not the only way to get attention, and it's not the only way to get traffic. Um, I personally... You know, and and that is kind of on the editorial side, uh, not to get inside baseball or anything, but there's always two sides to the topic, right? So if if someone says, you know, uh, I'm I'm writing an editorial on how Zack Snyder fell short of his goal, Mm -hmm. then you think, okay, that you know, that's a fair editorial to have. Uh, That's obviously from the start. It is a Negative slant, but it's it's a fair opinion to have. Uh, I'm of the mind that a an article, the same article, framed um, the goal Zack Snyder set out for and almost reached uh, is just an, a more inclusive conversation. Uh, and maybe that is that's just me personally. I'm a, I'm of the mind that it's always better to leave your opponent a trap door out of the debate. <laughs> you that's know. Awesome. Uh, uh, because I mean, really, you want to. Uh, there's there's no reason why discussing one side of an issue sh- needs to make the people who disagree with you seem like idiots. And I think that the the Batman v Superman, uh, just as the and, and you know what Marvel versus DC broadly, um, because those two have just kind of been held up. Uh, there's always a way to say the other side. Even acknowledge it, 
you know, to, to open an article and say, a lot of people this did not work for. And I've, I've tried to do this myself. And sometimes, you know, like you said, it, it slips a little bit. But um, it is always best in debating <laughs> to give the other person some room to come over to your side. Or at least to to see things the way that you're getting it across. And I think that, like you said, being negative is easier. Uh, tearing something down is easier than building something, even if it's just an argument. And 140 characters, you, you can't really say much more than it's bad or good. Um, if you get the conversation to, this was bad, this was bad, this was bad. If it's an editorial, give me... Go one layer deeper on that. Why is it bad? Well, because I think this. That's automatically more interesting. You know, um, people use the word should uh, a lot when they're talking about this. And I think that comes from not a mean place. I, th I think it comes from people maybe feeling that their opinion uh, isn't enough of something. They need to be right. You know, it isn't, it isn't enough that it's just how I feel about it. It is the right way to feel. Uh, instead of saying should, you know, Batman v Superman, it shouldn't be dark. Superman shouldn't be dark. Well, what do you mean by that? Uh, well, Superman to me is supposed to be more optimistic. Now we can have a conversation, you know? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love what you're hitting on right there. Um, I, it's just so, and that feels like if people were face to face, I have to believe that that would be easier to get to. Um, the, the online stuff is just... You know, people plant their heels <laughs> uh, pretty quickly and uh, and it can get into, um, you know, without tone or having to look the person in the eye and see that mm -hmm. they are as present in the conversation as you. Uh, yeah. Right there, Andrew, I think you said it best. When you have a one-sided opinion, both fundamentally and literally, when you're writing a piece or when you're sending an email to somebody, failure to give somebody else the ability to respond in the moment prevents a, a real opportunity for the possibility of having your mind changed. Because when you write something as a critic or as a blogger or whatever, if it's an opinion piece, you've already set your mind, you know, you've already mm -hmm. set out to say something. And that may be the key that, uh, and we can get into this later, but it, it may be a key to navigating away from the negativity and more into the world of at least a neutral conversation. Yeah. Um, I, I remember having a conversation about, uh, BVS and somebody asked me, um, you know, what I thought and everything. And it came up about Superman and being dark. And I said, you know, this is Zack Snyder's vision. These are, this is his cast and this is his choice. And my opinion is, is just one of many. I want to see a Superman that emits hope. And that's kind of what I came back with As I said, this is what I hope will happen. I hope that we see a Superman that, that my opinion wasn't, I hope we don't see a, a brooding Superman anymore, but I hope we see a Superman that is comfortable being Superman because that was one of the things that I thought was kind of cool and challenging watching the movie was man of steel and BVS. And this may have been what Snyder was, was doing. We, I don't think Superman ever felt comfortable in his skin. I mean, he was still getting used to being, this guy, this God, this, this Superman. And, and I think that that was articulated well. And there was tension there for me as a, as a fan of the character, because I'm not used to that. And so in that sense, I could see if that's what he was going for, man, more power to you, man. But at the same time, I'm going, all right, he's comfortable in his skin. Um, he's, he's not around right now, but he's still comfortable in his skin. I hope the next iteration that we see of him is a confident, hope-filled light lighter version of that guy not just i don't want him to be dark anymore yeah yeah i mean i i think that in that in that specific case and i think this also kind of speaks to uh the modern superhero story or the modern hero story um you know you can say it's an origin story but i could count on one hand the number of these quote-unquote origin stories that begin where the hero isn't already the hero when you first meet him you know what i mean uh Peter Parker is Spider-Man. He just doesn't have the gifts yet. You know, mm -hmm. uh, Captain America, it, it's an origin story of his powers, but Steve Rogers, like the whole reason he's special is because he is special, you know? Uh, and I, I think that 
it, you know, I, I, I totally see your point and I, and I completely understand that that's a, an outlook on it. Um, I'm, I'm was interested to see a version of the story where this is not Superman yet, you know, and not in the way that Captain America, when you meet him and he's the scrawny kid, isn't Captain America yet. I mean, fundamentally, this character has not become the person we know. And that automatically turns off a lot of the audience, right? Because they don't know him. You know, right. they, they want to see the guy that they know. Um, and I think that it was it was a duel with with uh, Batman where people said, this isn't Batman. You know, this isn't the guy that I that I want to see and I want to like. Um, and I also think that that was a part of the story uh, that that you were supposed to realize. I don't like this guy. You know, I don't like who he is. He's the antagonist. I'm not supposed to. Um, there's no hashtag team Batman, you know, for uh, <laughs> Dawn of Justice. But uh, but yeah, like like you said, um, I think that the conversation was steered even before the movie came out. So there wasn't the opportunity for people to say, you know, I want the Superman that is optimistic and is is the guy who has finally figured it out. And then someone could say in that instance, I think that's what's that's what his next appearance will be, right? Like, I think he got there. Um, and then above all, I'm excited to see that too. You know, uh, I think that then the conversation would turn to probably, will that reveal mean more because of what we went through to get there? Yeah. And that's like a conversation I would, I would love to ask anyone who, you know, wanted that out of their Superman is, well, when you get it now, what's that going to feel like? Yeah. There's a, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the web series, How It Should Have Ended. <laughs> yep. Uh, I love yeah, that yeah. series. And the, my love for that series was elevated when, I don't remember the, 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 the head guy, he put out a, a hilarious review, but a truthful review of Batman v Superman. And he said something really interesting at the beginning. He said, you know, DC is always, at least in some of the, uh, its overarching themes is this, is this idea that, um, night is darkest before the dawn. And he said that exact same thing, that there's this possibility that we're getting through the darkest part of the DC world and now we're going to get to that light. And so the payoff right. might be just as valuable, if not more. And as a fan and as a moviegoer, that's what I want. I don't want it to just be lighter. I want that payoff to be so much more as a means to say, man, look what we waited for. Look what we waited three or four years for and we finally got it. Yeah. Uh, the, the feeling that I will have, I'm anticipating just, you know, possibly having to change my pants because I'll be so excited. <laughs> oh yeah. And I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm coming from, uh, I just got back from Comic-Con where I was in, uh, you know, speaking with, with people from, uh, Supergirl and some of the other reporters in the room saying, you know, th there's more hope in this one season of Supergirl than there was in Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. And I wanted to, you know, stop the interview and say, I want to talk about what hope means to you. Mm. Like, I, I think that because I think that in, in, and I think that is a really rich conversation to have, especially where the world and, uh, you know, America in particular is right now that are we talking about hope or are we talking about escapism? Because, you know, you can't really have hope without despair. <laughs> um, and I, I think that uh, the story of the guy who loses everything except uh, his willpower is a story of hope. And I think, I think a lot of people would see that story as a dark story that they don't like um, and is, is really grim and dark and sad. Um, and I would rather see a person who, who deals with smaller things and then beats them. You know, and, and I, I think that is just a, a, a difference between – and I, I think, honestly, I like both, right? That's the big shame of this is I want both of them. I, I like escapism too. Uh, but, a, but a movie that speaks to um, – or, or the darkness, uh, light is a part of that. And like you said, you know, look at the, the first footage of Justice League that came out of Comic-Con and it seems that, you know, thank God Bruce Wayne is finally lighting up. <laughs> um, and things are finally going his way. Uh, but you can't get that without, uh, I mean, you could get it without him faltering, but like you said, I think seeing that now it does mean a bit more to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and so kind of 
one of the other topics we had wanted to discuss was this fandom rage and how fans on either side seem to, you know, get extremely heated and extremely hot. Um, mm. But I can't, I can't find a lot of consistency about why. I mean, it, we, we have the subset of people who, when we're talking about BBS, they get angry because the characters are not the characters they know and love. Um, but yet we have plenty of comic book material where Batman does the equivalent of what he's doing essentially in this film. Um, I mean, the fight scene is completely uh, made fun of uh, over and over the Batman V Superman fight scene. I mean, it is ripped directly out of the dark Knight (laughs) returns too, like literally beat for beat Mm -hmm. uh, the beginning of that fight scene. And so we have, we have a, a fandom rage that is just so angry that it's not, you know, like you said, it's not my Batman. It's not my Superman, but then on the flip side, we have a near consensus love of Iron Man and Tony Stark, which is nothing like Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Like Tony Stark, the Robert Downey Jr. Uh, Tony Stark is much different than the yeah. comics. I mean, he wasn't quippy in the comics in the way that he is in the Marvel universe. Um, and so people kind of gravitate toward that. So it's like, well, you know, which one are you going to hang your hat on? Uh, do you want a new take? Do you want a new version? And um, maybe it is just also a big part of this is the comparison factor. You know, we have our Marvel fans that like that tone. And so, you know, if everything doesn't match that tone, then it can't be good. I wonder though, what would happen if we got a DC movie that was the exact same tone as a Marvel movie? I'm apt to think that people would complain and say they're just copying Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, yeah, we're, we're, well, we're talking about a, a situation where people were, were criticizing Warner brothers with, with moving into this team adventure. They were simultaneously saying you're blowing this because you're not doing what Marvel did. And also you're copying them. Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> which was a, it was a fascinating time. Um, you mentioned earlier uh, uh, Hannah from uh, my podcast. You can find her on Twitter at HSW3K. Her pinned tweet is a yes. brilliant sampling of comments <laughs> um, proclaiming the, the feelings that people have about our site towards the, the studios. Uh, but yeah, on the Marvel versus DC, um, and I said this on, on our review of Batman v Superman – the comparison now is you're you're comparing westerns to science fiction um i i really do feel like they are so so different in their dna that it, 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 someone saying you know this one sucks i like marvel better is would is as crazy to me as someone saying oh you're aliens and you're robocop those suck give me you know, <laughs> give me a uh, real grand or real, bra- you know, like, well, no, I mean, they're clearly for, they're not for different audiences, but they're, they're based on different pursuits or, or, or just a, a different style. I mean, everything about them is different in a lot of ways, except the, the way that all movies are all like all other movies. Um, but yeah, it, it is, it, it kind of seems like Warner brothers got behind, a rock and a hard place. And I do think that a part of that almost seems that I don't know what Zack Snyder did. And I, like if there's a long form exploration of this or a book that is published, I will buy it and I will read it. How one of the biggest comic book geeks, uh, like you said, recreating 300 and Watchmen and you know, the, the dark Knight returns, down to the frame only drew the ire of a lot of comic book fans uh, and a lot of those comic book fans who ended up in the blogosphere, you know, um, I, I really struggle to grasp how that happened because this is a guy who made Watchmen and said, I didn't want to, but I knew someone was going to, and they would screw it up, <laughs> right? They would, they would bastardize it and twist it and, you know, I wanted to stick to the to the faithful version of it, regardless of how it turned out. Um, and and somehow, 
like like you said, you know, and I think I said this on Twitter, uh, the, the refusal of like intentionality in movies just in general is kind of strange to me that the people now, like you said, feel so empowered voicing the negative that they now not, not only say, uh, you know, like Batman v Superman is uh, grim is, is not who Batman is. They say that and then also say, and that's not what the director was trying to say. <laughs> you know, that, that that is such a fascinating thing to me that uh, you assume in a lot of cases that a director is making you feel the way that you're feeling. And that was the goal. Um, with this movie, it was as if <laughs> I know because no one no one voiced the side that he did want. Like no one voiced what the goals were in it. Mm-hmm. It was just like you said before it came out. It was the only way this makes sense is if this person so grossly misunderstood everything that is on screen. Right. Uh, which seems like that seems like an argument that I, I, I wouldn't try against my mother. <laughs> you know, it, it wouldn't hold up under the slightest bit of pressing. Well, that that is actually a perfect. Um, I'm glad you brought that up because I had a question I wanted to ask Patrick um, that ties into that exact same thing. So I don't know if you listened to the most recent couple episodes we put out, but um, Patrick discusses in one of them that he got an opportunity to be a part of this thing called the 48 hour film project. And we're not going to go into that now in the details. Um, it's in our Tomorrowland episode, the beginning of it. Patrick goes into depth. Uh, Tomorrow, uh, Tomorrowland, the movie that had me crying <laughs> <laughs> like a, like a five year old boy version yeah. of me in the in that end sequence. So uh, yeah. yeah, that one yep. right, right, and so so good, yeah. so good. And we I might have, I might have said it's beautiful out loud in the theater. That's awesome. <laughs> I hope you said it loudly so that for all the people that didn't. Um, Confessions but, of a Screen Rant Editor with Aaron <laughs> and Patrick. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, so Patrick got a chance to be a part of this thing, and he got to direct and co write a short film. Uh, in 48 hours, they created it and they put it out there for the world to see um, and to be voted on, to be ranked. It's in a festival. Um, it can win awards or it can not. And so, Patrick, my question to you about that ties into what Andrew's talking about in a director's vision. For one thing, it, it, there's no way a, a viewer of anything can ever know 100% exactly what your vision is. I mean, you can voice it and you can probably catch them up on 95% of it, but you know, it's changing, I would assume, on a minute-by-minute basis as you're creating something. And so my question is, you know, I'm wondering if now that you've been this kind of a creator, you've been a director of something, and you have art that is out there for people to actually critique and to evaluate, does it give you any perspective on this type of, you know, on film criticism in general, and how, how you take that as a director? Because, you know, how do people view what it is that you created? Is it does that has that changed your perspective or I guess how does it affect you? Well, I will say that when it hurts when you're not understood, it hurts when you're left at the kids' table and other films in a certain category are, you know, invited to the the, the, the adult table to celebrate their accomplishments. Um but at the same time, that also speaks to the passion that I have for the project itself and for the finished piece. Um, I, I would say that it does two things. One, it hurts when it's not understood or when it's not liked, but it feels really good when it is. And so when I have people that, that watch watch this, watch this particular film. And I say, when you tell me what you think, cause I want you to tell me what you think. Um, I want you to tell me if you got it. This was this particular short film was, it had, it had some, as much as could be in a five and a half minute film. It had an attempt at some depth and a little bit of a twist here, some Chris Nolan elements going on. And it wasn't, you know, personal confession, it wasn't received well. We failed to break into the top 10 to get the best of screening and we didn't get any nominations. But as much as that sort of hurt me, 
it makes me want to continue to pursue that art. And there is value in being able to say, I need to articulate a message clearly because if someone doesn't like what I, what I produce, they're not going to come back and see something else. But at the same time, I also need to be confident enough to say, this is the story that I'm telling. This is the story that I'm passionate about. I have people around me that help me articulate that story. And it's okay that people, some people don't like it and some people do. And there's this really fine line when it comes to creating something, particularly a movie, where you do create for your audience because entertainment is a, is a factor. You don't want people to be bored. You don't want people to be confused. You don't want people to be upset for the wrong reasons. But at the same time, you also want to create something that you feel like in your heart with your passion is a story you want to tell. And for a guy like Zack Snyder and company, I love the fact that he's really unapologetic about this story, that he's unapologetic about the fact that BVS was his baby. And at the end of the day, I'm sure Ben Affleck, I'm sure Zack Snyder and company, despite all the criticism, didn't walk away saying, well, that was a bust. That was a waste of time. And when you're proud of something, I think that has individual value. And I think that when you recognize that things can get better, that you can get better, which I hope Warner Brothers and you know, I'm not going to get into that. I, I think that when it comes to when it comes to making a film, I personally have realized that there's a healthy balance between creating what you want and listening for constructive criticism. Not that yeah. sucked, mm -hmm. but this is where I feel like you, what you were trying to say, was it? Yes. Okay. Well, here's where I feel like you missed it. And I want it to come from credible sources. I want it to come from people who are not just like, dude, it didn't have enough humor. I didn't laugh enough. There weren't enough butt jokes, you know, fart jokes or whatever. And I, I think that criticism has value, but I think that when it comes to today's critical market of, of people or, or the amount of criticism that we are, we are exposed to, it tends to be cheapened because we can, because everybody has a voice. And as a filmmaker, I would like to see more people giving constructive feedback and saying, this is where you hit on all cylinders. This is where I think you misstepped. And if you didn't, I'd like to understand more about what it is you were trying to say so that I can understand more about the movie or about mm -hmm. the project or whatever. Yeah. Cool. So uh, yeah, yeah, man, that's I constructive criticism. That is a, that is a great thing for you to bring up. It's so simple and it's funny because we're talking about film criticism. The word is right there and all you have to do is put that other word in front of it and it becomes something positive. And so that was actually going to be my next question to you. And you've already started to answer it and started to explore it. And I, and I wonder if there's more that we can even possibly dig. This is, this is the tough part of it all um, is how do we change it? Can we change it? Can you, Patrick, you, Andrew, myself as, you know, influential people. And I'm going to not saying that to puff up an ego or anything of the nature, but um, as people who have a podcast that has listeners, as people who have um, blog and, and articles that people read, what way is there for us to start finding a solution to the trend of negativity? And is, or is there a way? I mean, maybe there isn't, I don't know um, if that's the answer or not, but do you guys, have you guys thought of anything in the, of that nature, like what can we do, and not only what can we do as influence influential people in this in, a, in the entertainment medium, I guess, or criticism area, but what can fans do? What can just people that love movies do to help change the way that this culture is going? I well, I'll take point on this one. Um, <laughs> I you know I think that. We're, we're not everyone is going to make a short film. Uh, and I think that on the other side of that, there are people who say, you know, just as scornfully, um, you know, have you ever made anything? Uh, which I, I had always, that always rubs me the wrong way because, you know, <laughs> like you said, movies are made to be seen. Um, 
I do think that I, I'm I'm believing that it comes from a good place, which is like you said, people want to feel like they're coming from a place of power and therefore say something negative. I want people to feel like they're coming from the same place, regardless of how they feel about something. Uh, there's that, the quote that I've tweeted out on multiple occasions of Kevin Smith's, uh, where he says, you know, nothing good has ever come from discouraging an artist or someone creating something. Uh, if you, if someone makes something that doesn't work and instead of constructive criticism, saying why it didn't work, saying what did work and saying, you know, Zack Snyder, man, that movie really did not work for me. But those shots that you had in them of X, Y, and Z were incredible. You know, uh, those spoke to me. I want more of that. I mean, encourage. And that's the thing is I, I think as a creator and Patrick, you can probably speak to this. You you're starving for that criticism, right? To 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 be yeah. better, um, yeah. not to have them like it more, but to find out how you can make them understand more. Uh, mm -hmm. And and I do think that, as as that quote says, you know, if you tell someone to quit, you're bad, you suck at this. That person could have gone on to create something that would have been the greatest thing that ever spoke to you in your life. Uh, and I think that starts with with small things. I think that constructive criticism is a hard thing to take. Uh, so I think that trying to take it will probably help people to give it also. But like I said, uh, on our podcast and just in conversation, I try to avoid the word should uh, as much as I can, because that feels like that's bigger than even my opinion. And that's all I can really talk about. Um, when someone says a thing shouldn't be this way, that's an easy thing to say. Uh, but again, if if you say, well, tell me why to you, you know, what, 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 what has made you feel so strongly about this? Um, you might get an answer that you're not expecting. And I have to imagine that it is a more constructive conversation than hearing someone say it should be this way and replying with, well, you're wrong. Uh, mm -hmm. right. Yeah. I think I've argued this online a lot, uh, and it is that. You know, using words like my preference is mm -hmm. instead of should, because really what people are saying is my preference is for a Batman that doesn't kill. My preference yes. is for a Superman that is happy and cheery and wears spandex. Um, well, maybe nobody actually wants that anymore, <laughs> but maybe, maybe they do. I don't know. Yeah. But and yeah, that, and that's, yeah. And on that note specifically, it also felt like there was a tinge to this conversation of people saying this kind of story I don't ever want to be seen told w with these characters. And that feels like a conversation that, that should be had before even getting to that conclusion. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, absolutely. And I, I kind of, I kind of bristle at that uh, just as a, as a notion, you know, and that, that goes back to the same thing when people say Superman is this Batman is this, you have the people on the other side saying, well, I, I haven't read Superman comics or I've been reading Superman comics every day in my life. And I couldn't disagree with you, you know, more passionately, uh, that we're on the opposite sides of that. But again, uh, w when you get into movie and it may be not ones connected to these existing properties, but original ones too. Um, it is just preference. I, I like it and you didn't, uh, let's both think of a comment that we can give, to the people who make this, that they can walk away with something equally. Like I, I, like you said, man, if I write up a story and a hundred people dismiss it and one person says that they loved it, uh, sorry to the hundred people who are rude, <laughs> but that one person's <laughs> comment means more. And going back to what I said, I want to believe it comes from a good place. I don't think people believe that. I, I don't think that people are aware that putting up something positive uh, has as much impact as it does. So it is a whole lot more likely that someone is going to go online and feel really passionately about how much they hated something. If everybody who felt just as passionately about loving it uh, got just as vocal, um, that would be a better place. I don't know if Twitter is the place for that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if comment sections are the place for that. But <laughs> 
I'm, I'm waiting for the solution to present itself. And in the meantime, I'm just trying to be, you know, come in here, tell me what you like, and I'll tell you how I liked it too. Yeah, with you. And that's, and we've seen, we've seen some of that, you know, in response to our show, just people, you know, occasionally responding and saying, gosh, I love the, the positivity and I love the focus on the good things. Um, and that, and it means the world because that's, I think, I think we are helping to, you know, change that perspective slowly, um, by encouraging it, not, not that we're responsible in any kind of way because we're not, um, but just to continue to encourage what you're saying. And so I think, I think that's where we're landing, I guess on our, is what we would all agree on that the best solution to the problem is that everybody out there, we're encouraging you to just be constructive, you know, Mm -hmm. voice the things you don't like and voice them specifically. If you don't like them, that's fine, but also voice the things that you did. And yeah, it voice the positives. Um, and, and then, and, and then also if you do greatly love something and you're an active person in social media, man, talk about it, talk about it, post about it, tweet about it. Um, help to counter some of the louder, you know, voices, the, the angry, raging, mad people, um, just mm-hmm. help counter that out. And, mm-hmm. and maybe, over time it can slowly start to change a little bit. Yeah. Aaron, I would add a couple of things. I would say that the approach you have going into a movie before seeing it matters just as much as the opinion you have after it. Looking at one trusting that the creative team wanted to make something good going into a film. When you walk into a theater and you think despite all the criticisms that something like Batman V Superman would have to think as an individual, you know what? In my, you know, I, I've got to believe that Zack Snyder and company wanted to make a good movie. They were not out to trash my childhood or screw up Batman and Superman. That's not their goal. They're out to make something really, really good. And I guess the other thing is to let your opinion be your opinion. Don't let somebody else's really just enjoy the experience of watching a movie because that's really what it comes down to. And I think, I think we find more honesty about what we like and what we don't when we just allow ourselves to enjoy the movie instead of going in with preconceived notions. Um, that and trusting and believing that the creative team was out to do you a favor and entertain you for two hours really helps. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Um, and gosh, I just, I, I really hope that, um, people listening, you know, a lot of people listening to us right now are on board with this already. (laughs) You know, they already are, they're probably just nodding in agreement. Um, so share some of these tips with your friends. Um, and, and maybe we can help really change the perspective out there. So last, last question before we wrap this thing up, this is the all important one. Um, there's three of us, so that means we can we can uh, vote on this, and someone will win. <laughs> but they, they, I mean, we just we're, we've talked about this movie a ton. But Batman or Superman? Are, which one are you? <laughs> Wonder Woman? Can I say that? <laughs> no, you cannot say Wonder Woman. <laughs> Even though Why she's not? the Everybody... central character on the gonna... poster art. I was going to say. I mean, everybody else is saying that. Why can't we? <laughs> yeah. Which one am I? And I don't mean the movie. I'm saying it just it's it's you know the age old question, Batman or Superman? That's what that's what brought this whole movie into being. You know, are you a Batman guy or are you a Superman guy? Oh man, I I probably have to say Batman. That seems like that seems like such a sin because it really was Superman birthright that kind of pulled me back in. But uh, I mean, I I love someone with flaws and. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, Superman's got some too, but uh, maybe it's just the new 52 that's still fresh in my mind, but Batman <laughs> is where it's at for me. Yeah. Excellent. I'm a, yeah. I'm a, of course, I, I know what Aaron's going to say, so I'm just going to go ahead and put myself out there because 
as an artist, I will take all the criticism that I can at constructive face value. I'm a Superman guy and I always will. I will say that BVS, uh, particularly the opening scene, got me questioning my fandom of the Man of Steel, seeing the destruction Mm. of Metropolis, or I guess it was Metropolis or Gotham. It was Metropolis. Metropolis, Yeah. From from Bruce Wayne's perspective. And uh, even after watching the ultimate cut a couple of nights ago that's still one of the the moments that i remember vividly it's just going man superman just oh you're letting me down <laughs> but i will always and forever will be you know i've always been and forever will be uh, a superman guy excellent well batman wins because i am wholeheartedly unquestionably team batman hashtag team batman uh regardless of anything he may or may not have done in uh, batman v superman I'm on board. I love him. I'm excited for the direction of the franchise um, that they've got. I think Batfleck is wonderful as the actor. I think he's great as a director. I'm excited that he's come out and talk. I think I got this from your tweets, Andrew, where he had come out and specifically said he wanted to make the best detective Batman movie that we've ever gotten. Oh my goodness. That just, that just makes my heart race. Um, Are you sure it wasn't the best uh, CrossFit Batman that we've ever seen? <laughs> we've already seen that, my friend. <laughs> oh, and in the Ultimate Edition, even more. Yeah, yeah, yes. there was even yeah. more. But it makes sense, right? Like in a modern day, how is how else is he going to keep that physique? Yeah. And uh, yeah, what is he going to, you know, what he's going to be doing bicep curls? That's going to help him out when he's on the street? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So awesome. Well, it's been awesome, guys. It's been great. Andrew, thank you for being on with us. Um, I'm going to give you an opportunity now to final thoughts, plug social media, anything else you want to say, go for it. Uh, final thoughts, I'll say, uh, because this, this, you know, the Ultimate Edition is so fresh, I will say that uh, the three-hour-long uh, requiring an intermission, even if Snyder didn't put one in there, uh, that, that is a, a film experiment that I am glad was made. And as someone who, who loves these characters so much, I love that this movie could get made today. Uh, almost knowing that this, this kind of backlash is inherent. Uh, I love seeing a studio get behind that. I, I want every studio get behind that for every character and every property. Um, but yeah, I, I, I had a blast being here, guys. Um, I love what you guys are doing. I, I've been listening to the show. Um, if anyone wants to listen to my own ramblings with, with three other people who often disagree way, way more strongly than what's been listened to here, uh, there is the Total Geek All podcast, the Total Geek All. I'm writing all the time on Screen Rant, as are the the other people there. Um, and yeah, I... I, if you love a movie that I hated, uh, I would love to hear why. And <laughs> um, also, you know what? As as a last word, I'll say to people, just in in terms of keep in the back of your mind, is that the things that you loved more than anything in the world, in the formative years of your life, were the worst thing that someone else out there ever was forced to witness. Wow, good stuff. Where can people find you one more time? At Andrew B. Dice. Oh, you guys want to follow me on Twitter? I can't recommend that, but if you want to, uh, Andrew B. D. Y. C. E. on Twitter. Not Andrew Dice Clay, which not we, we Andrew all Dice. made the mistake. Yeah, that you, man, <laughs> during that Entourage guest spot, that was a nightmare for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I am, I'm glad that probably half of the people listening to this will have no idea who that is. <laughs> Patrick, what about you? Where can people find you? Oh, final thoughts and also where people can find you? Well, I will say that uh, watching BVS Ultimate Edition, I will give kudos to my wife who um, had not seen it yet. And so she endured the three hours and two minutes of Batman v Superman with me. So I love her even more now. I, I the, uh, I, I mean, I, my opinions didn't change positively or negatively about the film. I still saw, I, I still thought there were some amazing moments that were just, just reiterated by seeing it again, love some of the stuff that was fleshed out even more and the hiccups were still there, but you know, I, I, I'm like you, Andrew, I think the fact that a film like this can be made 
and that a studio can get behind that financially and otherwise is just a testament to where we are in terms of um, the creative um, the creative outlets that we have. This is, you know, I'm going to go back to our episode uh, last week. I'm going to say this is our Tomorrowland. This is where we are. I think we have the ability to just, you know, positively or negatively produce create creative work. And I think BVS is a great example of that. Um, if you guys want to follow me, I'm at Shoeless Patch, S-H-O-E-L-E-S-S-P-A-T-C-H, sorry, uh, on Twitter. I'm also at the, uh, the Facebook, same address, facebook.com slash Shoeless Patch. You can check me out on my website, thisispatch.com. Great. Well, I'm just going to echo everything you guys have said uh, in your final thoughts. Also, having just watched Batman v Superman Ultimate Edition, uh, I wish we would have done intermission. Uh, that was my introduction of the movie to my kids. Uh, and they, they were champs too, Patrick, just like uh, your wife. They they went through that whole thing. Um, I just kept telling them, just wait. I promise Wonder Woman's coming. <laughs> <laughs> I swear she's coming. But my daughter's getting like very... Uh, very good at pointing stuff out. And she's like, oh, this is going to happen. Oh, this is going to happen. She's like, hmm, her dress sure looks like Amazonian armor. And I'm like, you're 13. How do you, what do you, how do you know that? <laughs> um, but yeah, it was great experience with them. And I, for anybody listening, since we've talked about the movie so much, if you haven't seen it yet, highly recommend it. Like Andrew said, it's well worth your time. It does flush out the story in some very important ways um, and gives you a lot better idea of what Zack Snyder's vision was for that movie in particular. But in general, yep, just uh, encourage everybody to keep an open mind. Try to stay positive uh, when you're going into the films. Try not to let your expectations get out of control and affect your intake of what the filmmaker is trying to give you. You can find me all over the interwebs at Aaron L. White, A-A-R-O-N-E-L-W-H-I-T-E, Facebook, Twitter, etc. You can follow the show at Feelin' Film. Uh, also on Facebook, we have a Facebook group. It's growing. Come talk. Uh, poll questions there that are great for voting and conversation as well. Um, lots of episodes in the backlog. Check those out if you want. Highly recommend ScreenRant.com. It's your go-to place for movie news. Um, we retweet them all the time for that very reason. We wouldn't be just bringing them on if we didn't believe in what they write and what they have to say. So, that's it for us. Uh, thank you again, Andrew, for being here with us. We appreciate the time. It was great to get to talk to you, hang out, get to know you, and uh, especially to dive into this topic deeper. So until next time, stay positive. And keep feeling film. <laughs>